0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. Well, it is always a great honor to be able to preach here uh, on a Sunday. Uh, The Lord has blessed us in the last, actually almost 15 years now, we've been down here uh, with the the Mission Board, International Baptist Missions, and uh, God's given us some great opportunities to preach and speak uh, around the world, both encouraging churches and missions, representing the Mission Board, representing our college and seminary, but it's always a great honor to be able to preach here. It's a little bit of a challenge because we get a lot of great messages here a lot of a lot of great uh, preachers have stood in this pulpit so it's always a little bit of intimid- there's a little bit of an intimidation factor as well because uh, uh, you know you're you're following uh, a lot of great great preaching here but i'd like you to take your bibles and turn this morning to psalm 25 psalm 25 do you like secrets do you like to hear secrets? Do you like to tell secrets? Maybe you know people, hopefully you're not one of these, but that to tell them a secret is to tell the whole world. Looking, some of you looking around maybe at people you know. I've known people that inevitably would blurt out a secret in front of the person who was not supposed to know. You know, you're planning a secret party, surprise party for someone. And I'll go up to them, are you looking forward to the party? Just, you learn people like that, you don't want to tell them a secret, because they just can't keep a secret. But I'm going to tell you a secret this morning. And it is okay if you tell the secret to others, okay? You're allowed to do that. Because the secret I want to share with you this morning is the secret of the Lord, I've always been intrigued with this verse in Psalm 25, verse 14. That says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And then it says, And he will show them his covenant. This is a great text and a great promise from the Lord that the one who fears the Lord will have the secret of the Lord. Now, we're going to look at some things today, and as I take you through this, uh, that I think are some very profound truths. I don't think they are deep necessarily in the sense of difficult necessarily to understand, although some of the things we're going to talk about, probably we could ponder for a great while and, and not have all the answers to. But, but what we are going to look at is very profound. So the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. But before we get into this passage, we really need to define some of our terms. What do we mean by the secret of the Lord? The word secret is best defined as his private counsel Some translate the word as friendship. Uh, It indicates a close, intimate friendship with the Lord. Um, It's the idea of private counsel, private uh, direction from the Lord that is a result of that close, personal fellowship and relationship with Him. The secret of the Lord, there is a secret, there is a private counsel, there is a A understanding and guidance and direction and confidence and assurance that God gives to us, to those who fear him and walk in the fear of him, in our heart. We'll we'll talk about that as we go through this message, and and we'll demonstrate that as we go through this passage. David said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or Solomon said that actually, David said that he had more wisdom than all of his teachers. It is the understanding of the Lord's outlook and perspective on life. And to have that perspective from God's vantage point in our life is priceless. To understand why we are here, what God wants us to do, uh, why things are happening the way they are in our life, to be able to look and trust and depend upon God and lean upon his wisdom and counsel. Secondly, it says it is to those who fear him. Now, what does it mean to fear the Lord? I remember one time when I was a pastor, we had a Christian school. And at the beginning of the school year, we had on our big sign out in front of uh, the church and school, the verse from Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I didn't think anything about that we had a parent, or maybe it was a neighbor, uh, come into our school office and really chew out the secretary because how dare you teach people to fear God? We ought to love Him. We shouldn't fear Him. And they pointed out to her that we were quoting a verse from the Scripture. and I think she was, at least I hope she was a little embarrassed, uh, walked out of, the, out of the office a little more humble than when she came in. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is often defined as a holy awe of God. And that is true, but I think it's, it's more than that. It's, it's a fear that not only holds God's in awe, but there is a sense of, of fear, should be, in our understanding that we serve a holy God. Paul told the Corinthians, he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We understand that we serve a holy God, a powerful God, a fearsome God. But it is, a, it is a fear or an awe that leads to a humility and submissive obedience to him. So just to say, I fear God, or I'm, a, I'm a God-fearing person, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense if you're not living before him in a humble and submissive obedience. If you fear God, you're going to obey him. If you fear God, you're going to want to honor him. Sometimes I'll hear someone say, I'm just a God fearing man. But they're living in disobedience to God. You know, they may be living in immorality, adultery. They may be doing a number of things in their lives that are really not in submission to the Lord. That's just words. Uh, to fear God is to obey Him. In fact, Romans 3, uh, the passage that talks about how uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. There, and it goes on to talk about how uh, wicked the depraved heart of man is. That little section in Romans 3 ends by saying in verse, verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That really could be said about much of the world today. That there is no fear of God before their eyes. So the fear of the Lord is to obey him to submit ourselves to him, is to keep his commandments. But to the one who does fear the Lord, it says he will share with them his secret. And so I want us to look at this psalm this morning to try to understand and apply to our lives what it means to, to know the secret of the Lord. Now I said as I began, this verse has always intrigued me, and I was eager to study this passage and preach this psalm for you this morning. But I have a confession to make. You know, confession's good for the soul. I almost didn't preach this psalm this morning. Because as I was preparing it, I got a little frustrated. Now, my normal method of sermon preparation, and I teach this to our students in expository preaching, is you take a passage and you try to understand the passage, see the flow of thought, understand the order in the passage... Before you turn to any other help, commentary, or other... I don't want to preach someone else's sermon, okay? So I I want to make sure I have this and understand this on my own. And as I got in this passage, I got very frustrated because I couldn't find the order in this psalm. Now, it is an acrostic. It's a Hebrew acrostic. In other words, each letter begins with uh, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But it doesn't seem to help with the subject matter. It's more of a memory... Uh, tool probably that was used um, to uh, help people on, memorize this and to remember it. So rather than giving up, I, I did what any good preacher worth his salt would do. I cheated. And I, I pulled out some of the best minds and commentaries uh, of the past and present on this passage. And one of the first ones I picked up said this. There really is no order in this psalm and I can't make any sense of it. So I thought, great, that's that's really good. I felt better actually about that. But actually, what this psalm does is it repeats several themes over and over again in different order. That's why it's kind of hard to make a clear outline of the psalm. It's just there's 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 several repeating themes that are just repeated over and over again. And I really think that the centerpiece of the psalm is verse 14. In this passage, how that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. It is because David understood the secret of the Lord that he understood these topics that he deals with in this, in this psalm. So what I want us to do this morning is we're going to, we're going to look through this psalm. We're going to look at these three uh, themes that I believe the secret of the Lord will help you to understand but before we do that, I'd like us to read the psalm. And as we read the psalm, let me encourage you to see if you can pick out uh, the themes that you think uh, this psalm deals with. Beginning at verse 1, Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without a cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses. For they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me. For I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and my pain. Forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. And they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. Let's ask God for his blessing as we delve into this passage. Father, I ask this morning that the Spirit of God would open our hearts, our eyes to understand great and wonderful truths from your law. Help us, Lord, to understand how your private counsel, how your intimate friendship can be a great guide to us and teacher to us in this life. Lord, I ask that you would empty me of myself. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit as I open your word today. I pray that the Spirit of God would just take these words and, Lord, use them uh, to speak to hearts, to accomplish the eternal purpose that you would have to be accomplished today. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Most Bible uh, scholars believe that David probably wrote this psalm somewhere later in life. He talks about his, the sins of his youth. So he's looking back, looking around, seeing how God has blessed him, how God has guided him, how God has directed him in his life. And he can say that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. But what does that mean and why is that so important? Well, I think there's three Primary themes where the secret of the Lord gives us great help and gives us great uh, encouragement. The first of those is this. I think the secret of the Lord gives us an understanding of our deliverance or our salvation. This is a theme that just comes up over and over again in this psalm. And what I want us to do is I'm just going to kind of walk through some verses and point them out to you. And then we'll kind of make some, some specific application here. Uh, verse 1, he begins by saying, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So he's talking here about the spiritual issues, my soul, my, my, the non-material uh, element of my life. I, I lift it up to you. I, I depend on you, Lord. Uh, verse 5, he says, You are the God of my salvation. There are our actual salvation, our our deliverance. Verse 6, he says, remember your tender mercies and loving kindnesses. If it were not for God's mercy, we would have no salvation. If it was not for his loving kindness, there would be no redemption, pardon of sin. Verse 7, do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. We're talking about forgiveness of sins uh, being put away from us as far as the east is from the west. Verse 11, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Understanding our sins are, are forgiven and legally taken care of. We are pardoned. We are justified, declared righteous. Verse 18, Forgive all my sins. In verse 20, keep my soul and deliver me. Our eternal salvation, our eternal security, the hope we have before us. Now, why, what this, how does this relate to the secret of the Lord? Because the natural man, the Bible tells us, understands not the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them, the Bible says, because they are spiritually discerned. I don't normally do this uh, when I preach, but I, I'm going to ask you to turn to one other passage. Keep your finger there in Psalm 25. I intentionally did not put these verses on the screen because I want you to see them in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at two passages here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, then we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning at verse 20 Paul here is addressing the Corinthian church and he makes this statement where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age has god made not has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see what he says In uh, verse, what is it, verse 21? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Man's wisdom can't figure out salvation. Look in chapter uh, 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. Nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Then drop down to verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him, even so... No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us of God. And then verse uh, 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So let's go back to Psalm 25. But those verses tell us, remind us from a New Testament perspective, that, God, that man's wisdom does not understand and cannot figure out salvation. But the secret of the Lord guides us and teaches us and helps us to understand. Think for a moment. Just, I'll go through some of the basic doctrines of, of our salvation. Our, 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 our sin nature, our natural depravity. The natural man thinks he's pretty good. The natural man thinks, I don't, you know, I'm good enough, I can earn my way to heaven, I can make, you know, I can, I can do some good stuff that will, will somehow please God, I'll, my good works will outweigh my bad works. When you understand the scripture, the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We think, consider our, our being chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Wrestle with that one for a while. Theologians have for centuries. And, and, and try to understand and grasp the depths of that truth. Uh, understand, consider the aspect of our redemption, that we have been purchased, that we have been bought uh, out of our sin, paid for. His propitiation for our sins, the, the, how that Christ satisfied the justice of a holy God, satis- appeased the wrath of God in our place. How, how, how did that take place? Um, our regeneration, being born again, being, being made a new creature in Christ, our sanctification, uh, being set apart for God both now and for, for eternity, our ultimate glorification. The Bible says it has even entered into the heart and mind of man what God has prepared for those who, who love him. See, we are surrounded in this world by religious people who are trying to earn their way to heaven, who have some partial knowledge, but because there is no real fear of God before their eyes, they seek to worship the creature more than the creator. And and they continue lost in their sin because there's not a a willing, submissive humility to bow themselves before before the Lord. Human pride, human self, human intelligence puffs us up and blinds our minds to the truth that the secret of the Lord will teach us. So let me ask you, has the secret of the Lord led you to understand the great truth of your deliverance from sin? Have you called on Him to save you? Have you realized you cannot save yourself? That you are a sinner headed for a lost eternity and, 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 and hell apart from, from, from God for all eternity? Have you come under that conviction that, that, that is, is brought by that secret of the Lord as you fear God, seek him and fear him and submit yourself to him? Are you depending upon him and him alone to save you? <clears throat> if not, I encourage you today to call upon the name of the Lord and trust him. Bow your knee before him. But if you have, does, do those truths thrill you? They should. Do they create a deeper love in your heart for him? They should. To know the secret of the Lord is to relish the great truths of your salvation. So the secret of the Lord gives us divine understanding of our deliverance, but also it gives us the confidence to trust him through the difficulties of life. Notice how many times in the next verses... He talks about his difficulties and the trials and afflictions that he is facing. Verse 2, he says, O oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Verse 3, Let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Verse 15, He shall pluck my feet out of the net. It's like a reference to a fowl or bird that's captured in in a net and is set free. Have mercy on me, verse 16. Have mercy on me. I am desolate and afflicted. Verse 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Verse 18. Look on my affliction and my pain. Now, I want you to notice something here. The secret of the Lord does not eliminate trials and difficulties. But what it does do is teach us to trust in the Lord to do good through life's difficulties. Through these difficulties, David makes it clear that he is trusting the Lord. Life is filled with trouble. Psalm thirty-four nineteen: many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. I always think of the passage in Job uh, that says, Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. The other night, I was sitting outside. Someone had a fire going. And as they put little pieces of wood into the fire, sparks would just begin to go into the air. That's just a fact. It's the way it is. It's the way it is with life. Man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. The secret of the Lord is not to eliminate those trials. But it gives us the confidence and teaches us, notice that word trust. O oh Lord, I trust in you, verse 2. It gives us the confidence to trust him in those times of trial, through those difficulties. We often quote Romans 8, 28, "...all things work together for good to them who love God and who uh, keep his commandments." The natural man considers good to be what is convenient, what is pleasant for me at the present time. But good from God's perspective is what will conform us to his image with a long-term goal of eternal reward and eternal blessing. God is working in us and through us to accomplish his purpose and to conform us ultimately to his son, Jesus Christ. That is what is from our good. For our good. But our human perspective is often skewed, which is why we need to know the secret of the Lord. You know, I'm sure most of us know believers who have gone through or are going through trials and go through those trials with great joy and great peace. Some of you here this morning, are going through such trials. And and I will not embarrass you by calling out your name, but the peace and joy through all the burdens you are facing is a blessing to everyone who knows you. Because you know the secret of the Lord. You look at someone who's facing maybe serious health issues, and, and they're concerned about their testimony, they're concerned about, being a good witnessing to them to the doctors, or, or, or you know, being a good example for those who they know are watching their lives, or they're looking forward to heaven with such anticipation that the trials they're going through is not doesn't seem to be as great of a burden as we might perceive. And, and we look at that. And I confess, I look at that and I, I look at people who are dealing with that, and I think, wow. I mean, it's. It, it's hard to understand from a human perspective, and and you just hope if you were in that situation, you would have the same testimony and the same attitude. But how 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 do you have that perspective? Because of the secret of the Lord, God's perspective, God's peace. He says, "Lord, I trust you. Uh, my 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 life is in your hands, because you fear Him. He has given you the insight." Really, that is beyond your natural understanding. So all of us are going to go through trials and difficulties. We need to have God's wisdom. We need to have God's secret counsel. You need to fear the Lord. Because then he will give you his secret. Share with you that counsel. So the secret of the Lord gives us understanding of our deliverance. It also gives us the confidence to trust him through trials But thirdly, the secret of the Lord gives us the discernment for life's decisions. The discernment for life's decisions. Beginning at verse 4. It says, show me your paths. Or show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Notice that, show me. In, in your ways, Lord, not my ways, but your ways, the way you want me to go. Teach me your paths, the, the, the way I'm supposed to walk. Then lead me. Notice how much the Lord's involvement is here. Lead me. So he's showing. He asked him to teach him. He "Ask him to lead him in your truth, verse 5, and teach me. On you I will wait all the day. Waiting upon the Lord. Not going ahead on your own, but waiting, depending upon his leading, his guiding, his teaching. Verse 8, he teaches sinners in the way. Verse 9, he guides in justice. Here again, the humble, he teaches his way. Verse 12, the man that fears the Lord, him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Verse 13, he shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Verse 21, let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. That is the heart and spirit of a man who knows the secret of the Lord because he depends upon and has the Lord's discernment for the many decisions of life. The secret of the Lord will guide the path of a man or woman who fears the Lord. It will lead to blessing and spiritual prosperity for us and our descendants. This is not an isolated idea in the Bible. We can go all over Scripture and point this out. David said later in the Psalms, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Verse you've probably all memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he He will direct your steps. He will direct your path. We are all faced with decisions in life. When we are young, the decisions are simple. But they come more complex with age. Have you ever thought through the what-ifs? Now, sometimes that's kind of a useless activity. But I found that sometimes it is an amazing blessing to just look back and see how God has directed your life. What if you had gone to a different school? What if you had, I mean, you wouldn't have maybe married the same person. You wouldn't have, uh, your kids would look different today. Uh, you know, you can go on and on, the, 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 the what ifs. What if, what if, what if I had gone here? What if I had done that? What if I had made this decision? And, and the, the, the amazing thing is, is that the older you get as you walk with the Lord and fear the Lord, and I've known his secret. You get to look back and you get to see how God's directed you. You know, where will I go when I'm younger? Where will I go to school? Where Who will I marry? What will I do for work? Where will I live? How will I train, teach my children? What do I do after I retire? How, how do I face the changes in the various seasons of life? The decisions we make, the the, the choices we make impact not only us, but those decisions impact our family, our friends, our ministry. And for those decisions, we need wisdom, discernment. We need that secret counsel of the Lord. And the importance, I mean, this just, as you look back on your life, it reveals the critical nature of the decisions that, that we make. I can tell you personally that through life I look back on decisions I have made and I see how the hand of God has directed me. I did not always understand it at the time. Um, But so often knew that it was the will of God. As you seek counsel, not because God writes it in the sky somewhere or you get some special revelation. No, that's, that's not biblical, but... But as you're in his word and seeking his will, God assures you and through godly counsel and and circumstances God just directs you and you just you you just come to an assurance that I'm I'm doing what God wants me to do. That should be the norm for all Christians, but I realize it's it's not. Let me give you an example just Simple example from my own life and ministry. When when we left the pastorate, I was fifty or turning fifty, and leaving a, a pastorate of a church where you know enjoying God's blessing and people we loved, a um, decent income to go to a mission board, uh, which up turned everything upside. So didn't make a whole lot of sense. It Really didn't make a whole lot from a human perspective. But I knew deep in my heart that is what the Lord wanted me to do. I can't explain that any other way. I mean, it wasn't some. I mean, God didn't speak to me in a dream. You know, say go to IBM. Uh, didn't say go to Arizona. That may have been a nightmare. You know, it was. I, I, we left, We. I tell people we laughed an area that is noted for the climate. I mean, we were on the central coast of California. Uh, people compare it a lot to San Diego. a um, Beautiful area. I mean, we would go on the weekend to shop, do our grocery shopping in Monterey. You know, if you know that area, you know this. You know, this was our that was our backyard. Um, I didn't come down here for the weather, <laughs> and uh, or for the scenery. You know, I mean, we had plenty of that uh, where we were. But I, I knew, I just knew in my heart that God was directing our steps. I could see God's hand in doing that. I counsel our missionaries. If, if they do not know they are doing what the Lord wants them to do, they're going to give up as soon as trouble comes. And trouble will come. Problems will come. And, and they will say, okay, maybe I made a mistake, and they will go do something else. Do you have the confidence and knowledge of God's will in your life? Has he shared with you his secret? Now, he doesn't tell you that, the whole thing up front, okay? This is what I'm going to do 10 years from now, 20 years from now. But you know you are in the place where God wants you to be. That, that comes to a walk with God, a humble submission of God out of the fear of God that assures you and gives you the confidence that you are in his will. And God may direct you another path a year from now. But he will guide you in that way. How many times is the, the words here, he will guide me, he will teach me, he will show me, he will lead me. Your ways, not my ways, but your. as I wait for you. Our problem many times is we don't like to wait. We get very anxious. And we, we, we want to run and do our will. But for those who fear him, He gives them his secret counsel, his private assurance, his intimate friendship and fellowship. So that as you make these decisions of life, you can make them knowing he is leading you, he is guiding you, he is directing you. So we see here a great truth. That the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. That secret gives us understanding of our salvation, our deliverance. It gives us the confidence to trust Him through life's difficulties. It gives us the discernment for life's decisions. And this is a secret that is not really hidden. He gives it in His words, right there. But sadly, it's missed by much of mankind. But it is available to you and me if we, first of all, will fear Him. If we will humbly submit ourselves to the Lord and to His Word and to His will for our life. You can share in His secret, you can enjoy His fellowship, His friendship, His counsel. You can rejoice in your salvation. You can have confidence to trust him in difficult times. You can have the discernment and wisdom when making decisions of life. Because you know the secret of the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, do you fear the Lord? Are you partaking of his secret? Let's bow our heads for prayer. And as we bow our heads for prayer this morning, let me just challenge you to search your own heart. Maybe you are here this morning and you, you don't, first of all, understand your salvation. But perhaps this morning, God, through his spirit, has put his finger on your life and you realize your, your need of Christ. And you realize you're not saved. You realize you're lost. You don't have the assurance of salvation. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. But God is dealing in your heart about that this morning. And through his spirit, he has put his finger on some areas and you are concerned about that. You would say, Pastor, I'm concerned. Concerned for my soul. I'm concerned about my salvation. And I'm concerned enough at least to ask someone to pray for me. I will not embarrass you, not call you by name, draw attention to you in any way, but I would like to remember you as we close in prayer this morning. If there is an issue in your heart and you're not certain about your salvation, you say, pray for me. I'm not sure of my, my salvation. I, I know I need to be saved. Pray for me. Would you just simply lift up your hand where you're seated this morning and I'll remember you as we close in prayer. Anyone like that this morning, pray for me. I'm not sure of my salvation but I'm greatly concerned. Maybe as a Christian, there's other areas in your life that you know you need to, you need to have the Lord's secret. That close, intimate fellowship is something that is lacking in your life. This morning, I challenge you to submit your heart and your will to him. Fear him. Humbly obey him. Humbly submit yourself to him. Ask him to have his will, his way in your life.